Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. And I'm sorry I missed last Sunday. It was last Sunday was, uh, was plaid day, uh, woodcutter day or something. I don't know. We watched online. And uh, Pastor Man had his plan on, John. I said, Lord, did, what, did I miss a Sunday that we had a special call out for uh, the woodsmen's of the country? I don't know. But hey, it's good to see you this morning. Appreciate you coming. We want to welcome our online canvases. They're joining us right now. Wanatal, Norchutz, and Heber. Come on, give a good bow, Paul. Welcome. <clears throat> Let them know we're in the house today. Come on, God is good. I want you to grab your Bibles if you have them and turn to Luke chapter 1. There's a worship guide. Hope you pick one of these up when you come in this morning. And uh, we're going to wrap up our question series in these next few weeks. And uh, you know, if there's anything we, we discovered this year, questions are an important part of life, aren't they? You know, asking questions, you know, many times they, they increase our knowledge on different situations. There, there's any, uh, many types of questions. Right now, we're coming around Christmas, and you know, there's somebody in this room, you may, you may be asking the question, am I going to get a bonus this year? Anybody, anybody want to get a bonus this year? Anybody want to get a, yeah. How much will that bonus be? Man, how much are they going to appreciate? Don't give me a turkey. Don't give me a ham. Give me some money. Come on, somebody. Uh, but there's, there, there's some people this morning, we're, we're just kind of asking, uh, what's Christmas going to be like this year? Some of you that, that are in this room, some of you watching, your Christmas setting is different. So some of you have got loved ones that's went on this past year that are not going to be there. They're not Maybe a mom or dad, Rhonda and I are privileged. We have uh, Miss Rhonda's mom in the house, Miss Annette. Come on, would you give Granny... Granny is in the house. We are blessed to have our moms with us. We uh, spent uh, Thanksgiving down there and then brought mom back to hang out with us for a few weeks. My mom's watching. And uh, we're blessed. Some of, some of you, your parents have already went on. And uh, maybe loved ones are not there. So you may ask, what, what, what's Christmas going to feel like this year? What, is it, is it going to be the, the way it used to be? And you navigate that. So, so we, we're going to talk about Christmas and the questions that are surrounding Christmas, and uh, there are several of them. We're going to look at them in the next few weeks. And uh, most of us, if you're Bible scholars, you know much about the word that prior to the coming of Jesus to this earth, humanity as a whole was just on a free fall of unrighteousness. They, they, were, they were falling further and further away from God, and they couldn't see any way that they could ever get to God. Matter of fact, you know, they had the, the, the commandments in the Old Testament, but the only thing about the commandments, all the commandments do is show us our deep need for God. The commandments that doesn't help us be able to have the heart change necessary to be able to experience what God wants us to experience. So, so man was, was being heading headlong, further and further away from God, but 
ultimately, Christmas is the promise that God made to this world in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we celebrate this season around the fact that the Savior come. I, I put a couple of verses in your notes in Matthew 1, 21. The Bible said she will have, give birth to a son, talking about Mary, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, how many How many understand? That's good news, isn't it? Come on. Further away from God, don't know how to get to him, but guess what? God says, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to send my son. And Jesus became that bridge between man and God. Then John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So, so Christmas is about us celebrating the fact that God saw the need in this world. He saw the hurt, the, the, the destruction, the, the sinfulness, the wickedness that was going on. And God says, I'm going to make a way that man can be reconciled back to me. So as we talk about this over the next few weeks, I want us to kind of look around some questions that are asked around the birth of Jesus. And I'm going to start this morning in Luke chapter 1. And the first question of the Christmas story is going to deal with a guy by the name of Zechariah, his wife Elizabeth. And Zechariah is going to ask the question, how can I be sure of this? How, how can I be sure that what you're saying is true? Now, we struggle with that in our culture today because we have so many promises made that are often made political promises, relational promises that are often made and they get broken. Come on, most of them. How many understand? And because of that, many people live their lives under the influence of constant suspicion. Are you telling me the truth? Can I, can I trust? Can I be sure what you tell me is right? I reread the story. It happened 1994. There's a 67-year-old guy by the name of Russell Herman. He was down in uh, Marion, Illinois. And Russell, prior to his death, he made out a last will and testament. And he, he brought his a lawyer and he brought together. And in that last will and testament, he gave $2.4 billion to, a, to another small town in southern Illinois. He gave $2.4 billion to a city in East Saint, uh, the city of East St. Louis. He gave $1.5 billion for projects in the southern part of the state. And his final act of unprecedented generosity, he said, I want to give the Federal Reserve $6 trillion to help pay off the national debt. I mean, this guy just said, I, I just want to be known as a very generous person. The only problem was that when Herman died, Mr. Herman died, he only had in his possession and he owned was a 1983 Oldsmobile that did not run, okay? He had nothing, but he made all the promises, okay? He had nothing to give. And listen, it, 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 it helps us understand that while he did not have the resources to make things happen, he did not have the resources to fulfill that promise. 
it, it, it moves us towards that idea to say, yeah, yeah, I, I knew that was too good to be true. Come on. You, you see stuff right now on TV, right? Come on. That's got to be too good to be true. Sister Rhonda has to hide my iPad from me because I see stuff. I think, man, we need that right there. She said, feel, it's too good to be true. But now here's the problem for us, and I, I think me, and I, I hope you relate to it. It's stories like that that make us not just skeptical, skeptical of other people and what they say, but it often makes us skeptical of God's promises. It, it makes us wonder. Some of you are asking the question right now, why am I even here? Do, do I need to hear this sermon? And, and, and the reason being is that so many times, because we live in this world of broken promises, we live in a world that, that where we have relational pain, we have, we have political promises made, we have all kinds of promises made for diet plans. How many, don't raise your hand, how many got a diet plan in 2023 you thought this is the one? This is the one. It, it makes all, listen, I'm going to tell you, there are so many of those plans. We get them and we think, listen, I bought so many gummies and so many tablets and we got one whole drawer. I told Rhonda that you just need to clean that out. That makes me, I have to repent every time I open it up. Because I'm all the time trying to not help Sister Rhonda. I certainly wouldn't help her with her weight. But I'm always helping Sunshine trying to say, I think this will help us. And this, and it, a lot of that stuff just doesn't work. So listen, here, 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 here's in this Christmas season, here's what I want you to grab a hold of. Our, our, our big idea for this whole season. And some of you need that this day because you've walked in this room and, and some of you have been hoping and holding on to something. But as we get to the end of 2023, you're now beginning to question, is it going to be a reality? And the big idea is just simply, in a world of broken promises, God can be trusted. In a world of broken promises, God can be trusted. Now, I, I made mention, we made a trip, we left last Wednesday to go to Alabama for Thanksgiving, and normally we'll leave on a Monday or Tuesday. I had schedules and I had meetings, and we could not get out to Wednesday. I knew Wednesday was the day before Thanksgiving. I understood that, okay? And Rhonda told me, she said, uh, Phil, she said, Wednesday is the day before. Now, promise me you're going to be relaxed on this trip. I said, listen, it's a nine and a half hour trip. We're going to go down 41. It's going to be cool. I'm going to take my time. You know, I said, let's leave at this time. Her and Sunshine got up. We left 15 minutes early. I think, man, this is the first five and a half hours of that trip was beautiful. It's a nine and a half hour trip. It took 13 and a half hours to get there. Okay? My promises left at five and a half hours. When I got to Nashville and it took us Two and a half hours to get through Nashville that normally is about a 20-minute drive. Two and a half hours. We finally on the road again. I'm thinking, this is it. starting to get dark. And then we get almost in the burn. We get within an hour of Granny's house, and there's an accident. They shut down I-65. They reroute us, and for the next two and a half hours, we're on this country road. It would be a beautiful bike ride in the daytime on a motorcycle. I'm in a truck. I've got sunshine. Sunshine wears out about eight hours. She's done. She got quiet. 
and I'm over there, and I'm just trying, and I'm going faster because I'm trying to get, I want to get there. And Ron looks at him, and she said, would you please slow down? You're going to get us killed before we get there. And she said, you promise me, right? As soon as she said that, every, everything in me just curled up and said, listen, I meant well when I said that. I really, how many ever made a promise? And you mean it when you make it, right? Come on. You, you don't make a promise in tennis. I'm going to tell you this, but guess what? I ain't going to do it. No, most of us make promises we intend to keep, and we struggle with that. And what I want to challenge you with this morning, I want to navigate this story in Luke chapter 1 and in verses 5 through 18 about Elizabeth and Zechariah, of how they navigated waiting for God to fulfill the promise in their life. During the rule of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest assigned to the service in the regiment of Abijah, something like that, pajamas, something. His name was Zechariah. I just said it real fast. Listen, let me read the scripture. His wife, his wife was a descendant from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth, okay? So Zechariah and Elizabeth. Say that with me. Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now watch this. Look at this next phrase. Look at these next few verses. Together. Everybody say together. They lived honorably before God, carefully, in keeping the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. That's just amazing, isn't it? That they, they carefully kept the ways of the commandments, enjoying a clear conscience before God. But, watch this, they were childless because Elizabeth could never conceive, and now they were quite old. So here's this, here's this couple that is serving, Zechariah serving in the temple. They, they, they're following God. They're keeping, they're enjoying the commandments. They live, listen, it just blows my mind, to live with a clear conscience before God. Now, I've had moments of that, and I've had hours of that. I've had a few days of that. But to, to stand up here before you and tell you I've lived with a clear conscience, listen, not because God hasn't forgiven me, but because we have an adversary called Satan that is constantly trying to bring up condemnation thoughts in our own mind. Come on, you understand that? Anybody here besides me battle condemnation thoughts from the devil? Not from God. God, God totally, 100% forgives us when we ask forgiveness of our sins. But the Bible said they lived, but they were childless. Verse 6 says, it so happened that as Zechariah was carrying out his priestly duties before God, working the shift, the sign to his regiment. It came his one turn in life to enter the sanctuary of God and burn incense. The congregation was gathered and praying outside the temple at the hour of incense offering. It came his one turn. Listen, many theologians believe this is, this is not just once a year 
that a priest could do that. As a priest, this may be something that you get assigned to do once in a lifetime. He's been following God for years. He's ministered in the sanctuary or ministered around the temple. But listen, it came his time in life to enter the sanctuary of God and to burn incense. The one time is his time. He shows up and then look down, unannounced. Everybody say unannounced. The angel of God appeared just to the right of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was paralyzed in fear. Now, it doesn't say this, but I, I believe he, he saw it himself. He might have passed out. Listen, some of us think we're so spiritual. Oh, if God sent me an angel, I would, listen, if, if an angel dropped down and sat right beside you at this very moment, some of you would dart out the door so quick because you would be afraid. Come on, come on, be honest. We, listen, Zechariah was paralyzed in fear. He'd been following God, serving God. Doing, he's in the temple doing what God, and God shows up through this angel. And the angel reassured him, don't fear, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Elizabeth, your wife, will bear a son by you, and you are to name him John. You're going to leap like a Gehazel for joy, and not only you, many will delight in his birth. He will achieve great things. Or he will achieve great statue with God. I'm going to stop there. And in verse 18, Zechariah makes this statement. To the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? Another translation, do you really expect me to believe this? How can, I'm, I'm old, my wife is old. Most theologians believe that, that the, the scripture says they were quite old. They're, they're 60 plus years of age. And in, in, the, in, that, in that culture, for, for Elizabeth's womb to be barren, it was, it was a source of shame or disgrace or embarrassment. Her failure to provide her husband with, with, the, with the son to carry on the family name what was even the cause for divorce in that culture. And some even looked at barrenness as a, even a disability or an illness or an affliction that, that was sent from God upon that person. So I want you to just, just put a pin in that and just stop for just a second. Here's a couple in the church doing what God wants them to do. They're keeping the commandments of God. They're following the best that they can follow to do everything right. And yet, they find themselves without the one thing that they both desire, and that is to have a child. Not only do they not have a child, they are disgraced, and they're, they're, they're made fun of. They're considered, she's considered, Elizabeth, as being afflicted or disabled in doing that. And listen, I am sure that Elizabeth and Zechariah went through much pain as, as many times people do. Listen, Rhonda and I have prayed for multiple couples over the years that wanted to have children, that were told they couldn't have children, and, uh, or they tried to conceive and it wasn't happening. We prayed. We got people right here in this building 
that, that they, they conceived when it, it seemed naturally impossible to do it. And when you, when you see a couple and you talk to a couple that, that is desiring a child and they can't have that child, there, there's a lot of things that go on inside that person. You understand that? They wrestle with a lot of stuff. What's wrong with me? Why won't God bless me? I'm going to church. I'm, I mean, my child will be raised in a Christian home. I've heard all the stories. Pastor, there's nobody that would love a child more than I love a child. And, and here, I can't get pregnant and so-and-so down the street. They're not even married. They don't even have a father in this child's life. And they conceive. How injustice can this world be? You, you follow me? So this is where this couple's at. But then God sends an angel. I love that. Christmas is about Jesus, but it's also about angels. And in the midst of the angels and Jesus, God's always got people that he's navigating something in their life. And he's, he's showing up to do miraculous things. The angel shows up and says, don't fear, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Elizabeth, your wife, will bear a son by you. And I love that. While Zachariah has been faithfully ministering over these years, doing everything he could, they, they had this one gap in their life, this, this one thing that hadn't yet happened for them, and yet they kept, listen, they did not give up on God. Let, let me tell you, listen, it breaks my heart when I see people come to church and, and even sometimes come to Christ, and in coming to church and coming to Christ, they start believing. They start, oh, pastor, I've got this need. I've got this habit. I've got this hurt in my life, and I need God to heal me. And in the process of God working them through that, when it don't happen immediately, they give up and they quit. They walk away. Well, hey, I, I thought coming to church, and I thought giving my life to Jesus, I thought being baptized, I thought starting to give, I thought all of that stuff just opened up the favor of God and the blessing of God, and immediately I was going to get what I needed in my life. Sometimes we have to patiently wait on God's promises to be fulfilled. Look at your neighbor and say, you have to get good at waiting. Come on. You have to get good at waiting. Even though, now watch this, even though the angel said, I just want to paraphrase here, the angel said in verse 14, the, the, the child will be a joy and delight to you. Verse 15, 16, 17, he, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will make ready the people. I've sent, I've been sent, the angel said to Zechariah, I've been sent to tell you the good news. And Zechariah's only response is, how can I be sure of this? How can I be sure? And yet, when we know the rest of the story, when you read on down through verse 57, we read the rest of the story, the miracle happens. The child is born. I, I, don't, I don't have time to, to tell you about all the things that occur, but listen, the, the, the miracle, the promise that God made, it happens to, 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 to Mary uh, or to Elizabeth and Zechariah, just like God said. But what's this? Listen, a December pregnancy, now we, 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 don't, we know this didn't necessarily happen in December. I'm just using December because we hear, but a December pregnancy will, will only produce 
a, a birth of a promise in September. December produces something in September. Nine months, you've got to walk by faith. Nine months, you've got to believe as you see the changes happening that God is moving and working. Nine months, you're waiting for that promise. And listen, what, what I'm here to tell you this morning, that some of you today, God has said, I know you think you've been waiting. I, I know you think you've been holding on to something. You're waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. God said, I will keep my promise and my word to you. But you got to walk through the process. You got to be willing to go through those nights and those days of wondering, is, is, it, is it true? I talk to people every day who feels like that it's too late for their dreams to be fulfilled. Pastor Mike, my best days are behind me. I, 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 I just don't know if God can do anything great or mighty in the future for us. And the sad thing about what happens is we get to points in our lives when things don't occur on our timetable when God isn't moving or working as fast as we want him to, we want to cut and we want to bail. We want to say, what's the use? I've been, I've been praying for my husband. I've been praying for my kids. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're getting worse. They're, they're not changing. What, why do I keep on? Because listen, in a world of broken promises, God never breaks his promise. Don't allow unbelief to say, don't allow unbelief to say, how can I be sure this has happened? Because listen, your situation, just like Zechariah, here's the word to somebody today, your situation, just like Zechariah, can be changed in a moment and an instant when God shows up. And some of you have been faithfully coming this year to church. I, I, I challenge you to go back and look at your calendar this year of services, how Maybe, maybe you know, you don't know. I can tell some of you because I, I watch and I look and I, we try to write down names and we do that not, not for, for any type of guilt, but I, but I pray for you when I don't see you for a few weeks. We try to reach out to you. We try to make a call or send a card or something. But, but I challenge you to go back because some of you this year, listen, you, you've been doing everything God's told you to do. Hey, Pastor Phil, I started tithing this year. Pastor Phil, I started serving this year. Pastor Phil, I've been coming to church more regularly this year. I've, I've carved out more Sundays in my life. I, I've been doing all this stuff, and now, but I'm still waiting. God's word to you is, just like Zachariah, your life can change in a moment, but you've got to stay focused on what God's called you to do. What if it had come time for Zachariah's one once-in-a-lifetime moment for him to go in that temple? What if it had come time? What if he said that day, I don't feel like it? Nah, I'm done. I'll just piddle out here outside the temple. I'll let somebody else. Would he have missed that angel visit? Would he have? Listen, do you know how many times we've been in service? And I, I know some of you have been walking through some stuff. I know, you know, maybe you've sent us an email, maybe you called us, and I know you're going through a trial. And that following Sunday, we, we show up in church, and God comes down, the word is spoken, faith is released, and I look around and I think, oh, man, they're not here. They, oh, I wish they would have been here that day. A few weeks ago, 
a couple months ago when Marty was here, and he's talking about the miracles happening and baptism and things going on and, and people just believing, just faith being 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 released in that water. And and I and I looked on that Sunday. We was out that Sunday traveling, but I looked on that Sunday, and then we, we went back and said, who was present? I said, man, I, I wish that person had been there. If that person could have heard that. Oh, I, I watch it later, and I'm, I'm so thankful for, for our broadcast. Matter of fact, Kyle, everybody give Kyle a good hand clap. <laughs> Kyle had a birthday. Yeah. Kyle had a birthday. Kyle's still single. Anybody's looking. He's a very good young man, hard worker. I mean, listen, I, I am so thankful. We're broadcasting at Wanata. We're over at Hebron. We're down in Northchester. I am thankful for all that. And I'm thankful you can go back and see it later. But there's something about being here. You follow me? There's something about connecting in that moment. And God's challenging us right now. This world is pulling at us, and, and the world wants to point to us this failure and this promise that didn't happen, and this politician has said this, and this person, and this employer has said that, and this friend said that. Yeah. I was talking to a lawyer the other day. You know, you know what the number one lawsuit, a personal lawsuit is in a, in, a, in a workplace? You know what it is? Number one, it's between coworkers that are also friends. Co-workers that are also friends. And, and here's, 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 the, here's the mindset behind that. You and I are friends. And as friends, we work together. And sometimes as friends, we, 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 we work and we work longer. And, and because I'm your friend, I don't, I don't log in everything I'm doing. I don't care. Because we're friends. I'm there to help. I'm there to help you succeed. Sometimes as friends, you know, we cut up with each other. We say something and we do something maybe that, that might be a little bit timid. Somebody, but we're friends and we, we laugh it off. We say, oh, that's awesome. But then one thing happens and that relationship gets in trouble. And then all of a sudden, all those things that we did as friends, I start looking at them as he took advantage of me. I worked, I worked longer hours and I got paid for it. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a person on this company, and they're taking advantage of my time and my talent, and I never get respected. And oh, yeah, I remember what he said. I remember what happened, you know, we was doing dinner one day. And I, re- and I remember, and I remember, and all of a sudden, they, they, they have a breakdown in that relationship to the point that they end up in a lawsuit, and they're filing a lawsuit. Relationships suffer in this broken world that we're living in. And if there's ever been a time, listen, there's ever been a time that we got to come back to the promises of God and say, God, above everything else that can be trusted, I know I can trust you. You believe that with me today? There's some of you this morning, listen, there's some of you today, God is wanting to give you a December pregnancy. Maybe, Maybe not physically. Some of you say, I don't want a baby, my God. Don't give me a baby. But maybe you're here today Listen, I'm, I'm going to prophesy. If you're here today and you're warning, you're, you're, you're saying, listen, I'd love to have a child in 2024. I'm going to tell you, get ready to receive the promise of God. God can let your heart's desire be fulfilled. If you trust and believe that. 
But, but regardless of the physical side of it, so the spiritual side is, I submit to you today, God is depositing some dreams and some visions in right now, in this month, that we're going to see the fruition come place in 2024. 2024 is going to be an incredible year of God doing some amazing things in this church. You watch and see. Write it down. Say it. The day is December, what, the 3rd? 2020 is the 3rd? December 23rd, December the 3rd, 2023, Pastor Phil says in 2024, we're going to see some incredible miracles happen. Not because I said it, but because God's word promises it. So let me wrap this thing up here. let's, Let's talk about some pointers about these promises. If you know me very much, you know I am I am firm believer on standing on the promise. We sung a song as I was a kid growing up. I'm standing, standing on the promises of God. We used to sing that song, though, though, through, through uh, uh, storms, through winds, through doubt, we're standing on the promises. But what I've also discovered in my own life, I have to be careful. Listen, I'm a big dreamer. I, I'm a big thinker. I think big, and I, I dream big. I talk big. Because I really serve a big God, okay? I do believe that. I serve a big God. But in saying that, I have to make sure that I keep my focus upon how that promise is written. So, so let me give you the first, the first context of a promise is we have, we have to put the promise in the context to make sure we get the full meaning. When it comes to what God is doing and what he's saying, what is the full meaning? Zechariah and Elizabeth, listen, they wasn't just going to have a child. They was going to have the child, the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist. You follow me? She just didn't get pregnant and have this little baby boy. And I said, oh, no, this, this child would radically change the world prior to Jesus showing up. So, so, we, we have to be careful. For, for instance, Hebrews 13 and 5. A lot of people love to quote, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's comforting, isn't it? When you're in a trial, you're in a difficult, oh, Lord, you, you promise, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. But the first part of that verse, most people leave out, the first part of that verse, verse says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because the Lord has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now listen, because the promise of God's presence, listen, he says, my presence is there if I do what? If I keep myself free, everybody say free, free. from the love of money, and I become tent, content in what I have. In other words, while I'm waiting for God to show up and do what he needs to show up in my life, I keep myself. Everybody say, I keep myself. I keep myself. In other words, these are habits. These are disciplines I build in my life so that I'm free of, of, of money or free of anything else. In other words, I have total reliance and dependence upon God, not anything else. And when I'm content with what I have, if I'm content in that moment of where I'm at, God, I, I, I feel like you promised me this. I, I feel like you want to do this miracle in my life, my relationship, my job, whatever. If I'm content with what I have, then he says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's a promise to hold on to. 
Because when you feel like everybody else has walked away, when you feel like everybody else is, is, is doing better than you because you're settling for contentment at where you're at right now, and you see them prospering over here, you have to remind yourself, wait a minute, God says, I'll never leave you enough. And guess what? If God's with me, promotion will come in his time and in his moment. Well, that's good preaching right there. So here's the second thing. We have to be willing to accept all of God's promises, not just the ones you like. For, for again, example, John 16 and 33, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, what's this? Most of us want to skip that part and we want to jump down to take heart for I've overcome the world. I, listen, I've never been into a home yet. I've never been into a place of business yet that had over their door, had in their office, in the world you shall have trouble. <laughs> but guess what I have read? I've read hundreds of times that phrase, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Oh, yeah, thank God I've overcome. Yeah, but guess what? He said in the world... You're going to have some troubles. And if I understand that, listen, I don't get surprised by what's happening. Again, uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah were faithful to the commandments of God. You know they had to have troubles in, in holding on to what God was doing and being faithful despite of her being barren. But they knew there was ultimately going to be overcomers. Thirdly, the ultimate aim of God's presence, promises is always to glorify himself. Listen, when, when God's doing something in our life and he's fulfilling promises, and this is what I love about this church, and we preach about this, we model this. Well, we have to understand when God blesses us, when God shows up, listen, $30,000 in one offering that we was able to rent. Do you know 23 years ago, that was almost a third of our annual income of this church? And this church gave it in one offering for one cause. Why does, why does God bless us? Why has God blessed some of you in your business? Why is God blessing you, some of you, in your relationship? Listen, it's ultimately where his name will be glorified. Look, look at Psalms 119. Fulfill your promise to your servant. Why? So that you may be feared. God, I want you to do something miraculous in my life. Why? So that people will glorify you. Your name will be exalted in this. You know, that's what's going to happen when, when we get our Sunshine Center facilities. The name of the Lord is going to be glorified. It's not going to be Pastor Phil. It's not going to be Dr. Phil. It's not going to be Heartland. We're ultimately going to reflect all the glory back to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that God spoke to a church, God spoke to a leader, and we obeyed him. We'd simply done what he asked us to do. Because I submit to you, we would not be doing this had not we feel like that we're on a command of God. And a lot of the things I could be doing with my life at 68 rather than raising $15 million. But let me tell you, I know when it happens, God's going to get all the glory. And some of you right now, you're walking miracles and walking testimonies of what God's doing in your life. 
And when somebody looks at you and they see the change, they, they see the transformation, they hear the doctor report, they, they see how you're navigating loneliness of losing a spouse, you can look at them and you say, you know, but for the God that I serve, I give all the glory to him. Well, let me give you number four. Some promises are conditional. You know what bothers me the most about God's promises? Isn't that he's a promise maker and a promise keeper? Is that sometimes God gives me a promise and he says, okay, if you do this, then I will do that. It's those if and then promises. I, I, I put a couple in your, in your notes. Deuteronomy 11. For if you carefully keep all these commandments, which I commanded you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, then, everybody say then. Then the Lord will drive out all the nations before you, and you will dispose of greater and mightier nations than yourselves. If you do this, if, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. If you do that, what? He said, he'll give you the desires of your heart. We got business people in this place today. They are blessed by God. And you think, well, I wish I knew their secret. I wish I knew their skill. We've got one that I'm trying to connect with a relative down south because he, he wants to go to a next level. But listen, you, you ask some of our business people that, that have seen the blessing of God, you know what they tell you? The very first place it started was, I delighted myself in the Lord. And I said, God, regardless of how you bless me, I will always make sure you stay first place in my life. When you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And some of you are sitting here today, you think, wow, man, I've got so many desires. I've got so many things I want to see. Listen, I challenge you today, make sure that you're delighting yourself. Look at James 4 and 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he'll do what? He'll put his foot on your neck, keep you down. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He'll make sure you never get up again. No. When you humble yourself, what will you do? The Bible said, he'll lift you up. Wow. Some of you got to get ready in 2024. It's going to be your year of exaltation. I'm I'm prophesying to somebody that 2024 is going to be your year of exaltation. Not because you're exalting yourself. Not because you're trying to put yourself up. Because, listen, you have humbled yourself and you're in the process of continuing to humble yourself. And because you humbled yourself, God says, I'm going to lift you up. In the name of Jesus, somebody needs to receive that. I'm I'm going to bring you to that place where your dreams and your aspirations for me and the glory and the kingdom of God, they're going to be able to be fulfilled. God, I receive that today. I receive it right now in our lives. Listen, let, let me give you number five. Come on, Pastor Lindsay, I got I to gotta hurry up. Promises must be appropriated and applied by faith. Listen, Zechariah, listen, go back to that story, read it. Zechariah kept doing what God had called him to do, what he was positioned to do. He operated in faith. By faith, they stayed loyal to the commandments of God, and they lived with a clear conscience before God. Let me tell you, that's not easy when you're not seeing things change in your life. That's not easy when you're living in a neighborhood 
And everybody else is getting pregnant but Elizabeth. Hello? You ever been in one of those awkward moments when, when so-and-so is celebrating a raise or they're celebrating the birth, uh, you know, finding out we're pregnant? Hey, look, look, at, look, look at the picture. And, they're, and you're sitting there and God, yay, 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 Lord. You realize how hard it might have been? History says there, there, was, there was hundreds of kids being born in the same, in the same season of time that, that Elizabeth, Elizabeth and Zechariah are. And yet here, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're, they're doing the right thing. Uh, Hebrews 4 and 2 said, But the word which, was, which they heard, everybody say heard. heard. Uh, this, uh, this is talking about a group of people in the Old Testament. The word which they heard did not profit them. What I, I thought when the word goes up for Pastor Phil, the word is preached, and, and when the word is preached, people get blessed. No, it did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You see, I, I do my best, and I'm... I'm, I'm speaking to you, Pastor, this morning. I'm speaking to you prophetically this morning. I, I'm really doing my best to give to you what God has downloaded in my spirit over the last couple of weeks. But listen, the word doesn't profit us, any, any of us, if we don't mix it with faith. God, that's for my family. That, that's for my child. That, that's, that's for me and my finances. That's for me. And I, I mix my faith with that. Joshua 21 and 43. So the Lord gave to Israel. He gave to Israel all the land which he had swore to give to their fathers. The promised land was giving to them. Listen. What, what did they have to do? They had to take possession of it. Listen. In just a few weeks, we're going to get around the tree. We got gifts. We're going to give gifts. We're, we're going to some of you give gifts to your spouse. You'll give them to your kid. You'll give them to your grandkid. Listen, you can buy the gifts. You can possess the gifts. You can wrap the gifts up. You can display the gifts. And you can give the gifts, lay it in their lap on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. But if that child doesn't open it up, they never possess it. Oh, that's good preaching, right? God has done everything he can do for us. He's laid some things right in our lap. It takes faith to say, God, despite what I'm feeling, despite what I'm seeing, I'm going to unwrap this gift. I'm going to walk in the promises of God. Psalms 106 and 24 said, Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his promise. Isn't that a sad indictment? Believe. Believe with me this season. Believe with me this time that God wants to birth something inside of you. Believe with me in 2024 that you've got something to look forward to. Believe with me that God's not finished with you yet. Believe with me. Do not allow yourself to despise what God wants to give us. Number six, don't be passive about God's promises. Hebrews 6 and 12, they did that, that you, that you do not become sluggish 
Another word for that word, lazy. Don't become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Proverbs 13 and 4, the sluggard craves and gets nothing. The sluggard, the lazy, the slothful, the person that won't add their faith to the word, the person that won't stay persistent and stay patient, they crave and they get nothing. But the desires of the diligent, you see it? What, is, what are they? They're fully, everybody say fully. They're fully satisfied. Whew. I believe with all my heart, we've got some diligent people in this church. I believe with all my heart, we've got some of the most faithful people in this congregation. That you love God, you're just like Elizabeth and Zechariah, you're serving God, you're doing your best to keep all the commandments of God, you're doing your best to live with a clear conscience of God. And because of that, listen, I'm telling you, the diligent, the faithful are going to be fully satisfied. Fully satisfied. No emptiness. When I finished Thanksgiving meal at Granny's house, I was fully satisfied. I'd eat my turkey. I had my dressing. I had my mashed potatoes. I had my mac and cheese. I had my cranberry sauce. I had my biscuit. I had my pecan pie. I'm telling you, I was just like Santa over there, just roll. I, all I needed is my red suit on. I was just chilling. Some of you are going to be fully satisfied this year. I'm telling you. Man, I feel this today. Let me give you number seven. Lastly, number seven, hold on to hope. Let us hold unswaverly to the hope we profess. For he who promised <laughs> Woo! is faithful. Hold on to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. What's he said? He said, don't give up. Don't bail. Do, do, do not bail. Again, real quickly, let me go back to Zechariah with, with, with Elizabeth. Verse 18, Zechariah said, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm old. My wife is also well along in years. Notice he didn't call her old. <laughs> He's a smart man. I'm old. She's just well along in years. <laughs> Some of us need a little spiritual wisdom in this time of the year. Gabriel said, I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news. Listen, when, when you and I have done the will of God, we're going to receive the promise. Now watch this. I, I just want to read these last few verses. I want you to get this full picture. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. So he was born. God promised it. Nine months later, it happened. And they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. That was a custom. You have a namesake. His mother spoke up and said, No. He is to be called John. And everybody in that room said, who's John? <laughs> so now we know how Elizabeth got pregnant. Who's John? Hello? Tell us more about this John thing. You, you had to know. Listen, this was a group of people that had been 
telling that, that Elizabeth was, was deformed, that she was diseased, that she was sick. <coughs> Pardon me. They, they had all kinds of concepts and ideas about who, what was it. And now Mary, Elizabeth has this baby, and the baby's born, and they, Elizabeth said, we're going to call him John. And they said, there's no one among your relatives who has the name John. Then they made signs to the father because Zechariah had went, it went deaf or it went dumb for, for the nine months. If you read the early part of the story, they made signs to the father. What would you like to name him? He asked, Zechariah asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, <laughs> he wrote, his name is John. And immediately his mouth was open. His tongue was set free, and he began to speak praising God. Can you imagine this 60-plus-year-old this guy? He had to be excited. The baby is happening. And just like God said, Gable said, don't be afraid. I've been holding on. It has now arrived. He's here. We're going to call him John. And the Bible said that all the neighbors was filled with awe. And, the, and, and throughout the hill country of Judea, People were talking about all these things. Can you imagine the conversation? Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was upon him. It's such a miracle that it happened that everybody kept saying, there's got to be something awesome and incredible about this child. And it would be. This was John. This is the forerunner of Jesus. This is the guy that's going to baptize Jesus. This is the guy that's going to point to people said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is the same John that Zechariah and Elizabeth held on to the promise of God. They refused to give up. Come on, somebody give him praise. Listen, I, I submit to you this morning that God's promise is working even while you're waiting. Will you receive that today for your life? God's promise is working even while you're waiting. While you're waiting for the results, while you're waiting for things to turn around, while God's promises are working. God, help us to wait. And while we're waiting to stay like Zechariah and Elizabeth, just stay faithful to God. You believe that? Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at Pastor Phil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.